The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Because you are alive, we can face tomorrow. Because we are alive, we are confident that our tomorrow is secure. We give you praise and glory. Father, speak to every one of us in this place today. Everyone over the internet, let your word go forth and change our lives. And let the name of Jesus be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Today, we are concluding our series on the book of Colossians. And um, we'll be reading Colossians chapter 3 from verse 18 to Colossians chapter 4 verse 18. NLT version of the Bible. New Living Translation of the Bible. So part one of the series, we... we, um, explained how Paul was saying to the church in Colossae that adding anything to Jesus nullifies the power of the cross. In other words, Paul was saying Jesus plus something equals what? Nothing. You know, Jesus plus something equals nothing. In our culture, particularly in this part of the world, you know, we have people saying, oh, you know, Jesus is not enough. Add Jesus, add this to Jesus, or add that to Jesus, add this to Jesus. If you fall for that bait, you will have negated the power of God in your life. Because Jesus plus something will always give you nothing. And Paul was saying to them invariably that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. When you have Jesus alone, you have everything. And verse 22 of chapter 1, I'm doing a recap, I mean, right now says that you are holy and blameless as you stand before God without a single fault. That means when we come before God through Christ, we are blameless before God without a single fault. Now, your auntie or your mom or your cousin may still look at you as that liar or that fornicator or that person or that person. But you see, when God looks at you, he doesn't see a single fault. Wow. That is so comforting and amazing. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> he doesn't see a single fault. And in, in, in the second part of the series, we explained that in verse 6 of chapter 2, that now, just as you have accepted Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. So we see here that it's one thing to accept Jesus as Lord, is another thing to continue to what? To follow him, to follow him on a daily basis. In fact, the problem we have in the church today, I mean, church generally, is that we have people that have accepted Jesus, but are not following Jesus. So, we have a mismatch. So, we have people saying, can you say you're a Christian? In other words, your life does not align. And I pray that your lives will align in Jesus' name. And verse 8 goes on to tell us that don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and eye-sounding 
nonsense. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a bodily form. Don't let anybody confuse you. Don't let anybody bamboozle you. In Christ lives all the fullness of God in a bodily form. And you are completing him who is the head of all principalities and power. Chapter 3, I mean, last week we, we learned that in Christ there is no distinction based on race, based on class, based on human category. The, in Christ there is no osu or outcast. It's total nonsense. Total nonsense. In Christ there is no rich, no poor. In Christ, there's no distinction. Praise the name of the Lord. And our new life in Christ requires ongoing development. Our new life in Christ requires ongoing development. And the development will require us to put some things to death. It will require us to put off some things as a garment. And it will require us to put on some things. So some things have to die. Some things we need to put to death. And we, we explained all that last week. And some things we need to put off. We need to get rid of them. And some things we need to put on. We need to imbibe them. Because we explained that what you wear is what is seen. People can see your heart, but they can see your attitude. What you wear is what is seen. Look at me. Am I not wearing a purple shirt? I'm wearing a purple shirt, aren't I? Come on, I'm wearing a purple shirt. How do you know I'm not wearing a purple shirt? Because you can see it. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Sometimes we wear a garment and other people can see it and we are telling them what to see. Can't you see I'm wearing a purple shirt? No, you're wearing a white dotted shirt. (laughs) Praise the name of the Lord. So your attitude... What you wear, people see. And that is what gives glory to God. Or not. Then we explained last week that we should make allowance for each other's faults. We all have faults. We should make allowance. If you are going to have a friend, you must make allowance for your friend's fault. If you don't, you will not have a friend for a long time. If you want to remain married, you must make allowance for your husband's fault or for your wife's fault. If you don't make allowance for it, you are going to be unhappy or eventually be unmarried. Make allowance. You know, I I shared a story in First Special Experience. A young lady was speaking to an elderly, much older lady, and she was saying to her that, you know, what kind of husband does she have? And she was complaining that her husband does not even allow her to sleep at night. You know, that he's always snoring. He's always small, snoring like a chimpanzee. <laughs> what kind of man is this? You know? <laughs> okay, baboon. Like a baboon. Okay, chimpanzee, whatever. Now, <laughs> and the elderly lady said to her, 
that she's, she lost her husband 20 years ago, that she will pay any amount to hear her husband snore again. She can sell her whole house just to hear him snore, snore in my hair. The things you are complaining about. <laughs> Everybody say, make allowance. Say to your neighbor, make allowance. Make allowance. It's so important. Now today, as we, we go on in, in the final part, we, 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 we can see that in the first part, Paul was established the supremacy of Jesus. He established that Jesus is supreme. And in the second part, Paul was dealing with the enemies without, philosophies of men, you know, ideas that are contrary to God, to Christ. And he was debunking them. And in the third part, Paul was focused mainly, in the first part of the third part, um, chapter, was focused mainly on the enemy within. What you need to kill, what you need to mortify, what you need to put off, what you need to put on. And in this concluding part, Paul is focusing, as it were, on domestic issues. So God is interested in domestic issues, in how we run our households. Verse 18 kicks off by saying, wives, everyone say wives, not women, wives, submit to your husband as it's fitting for those that belong to the Lord. Wives, do what? Submit. What does submission mean? Submission means to what? To submit. <laughs> now, there will be no issue of submission if there's no conflict of ideas. There will be no issue of submission if there's no conflict of ideas. So, the fact that God is saying submit, God knows that there will be conflict of ideas. And if, there is, if God is saying if there's a conflict of ideas, what should happen? The wife should submit. Now, scientists tell us that the average woman is more intelligent than the average man. I, it's not me, guys. It's science. It's, it's uh, research. Now, that's what research says. Research says that the average woman is, has more neural connections da, 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 than <laughs> than the average man. Now, I don't know, maybe that's why God is saying, okay, yes, you think you are smarter, but submit. Submit means is the boss. Submit. Now, and that is a major issue for setting when if you are married here, this will totally set you free. If you are not married, in fact, you are in a vantage position. Because you need to begin to evaluate which guy you want to submit to. If you submit to a <laughs> if you <coughs> you'll be in trouble. President of the Lord. But what God is saying is you, you need to submit. How? How do you submit? If you go to the Amplified Version, it's saying, it says, wives, thank you, wives, 
be subject. That's a very strong word. Be subject. Ouch. That is inflicting on my freedom. That's what the word of God says. Be subject to your husband. How should you be subject? Subordinate. Everyone say subordinate. How do you use the term subordinate? At work, your boss, the person that reports to the boss is the what? Is subordinate. So, what you cannot say to your boss at work, don't say to your husband. Many of us, if we say the things we say to your husband, to our bosses at work, we'll have been fired. You have to be fired. So, so you can control yourself with your boss at work. You can, right? God is saying control yourself at home. You can respect your boss at work, right? You can. It means there's respect in you. Inside you, there is inside there. <laughs> respect at home. Look, it, I didn't write it. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. Subordinate and what? Adapt yourselves to adults, to human beings that have grown apart. They've formed their characters. They come together out of love. You know, without love, nobody will get married on earth. Love blinds. The person that says love doesn't blind, doesn't, has not found any love. Love blinds. For marriage, we open it. <laughs> but you need the blindness to enter marriage. <laughs> Otherwise, nobody will get married. The mysteries of God. So, God is saying, adapt. So, you already have how you want your life to run. You hook up to this guy. God is saying, rearrange your life. Around this guy. I mean, that is so unfair. By our 21st century equal rights movement. But that is what the word of God says. You adapt to your husband. You adapt to your husband. When we, when we, my wife and I, when we got married, my naturally is an early sleeper. Seven, eight, she's sleeping. I'm like, how on earth can somebody sleep at seven? Life is just starting. I don't sleep until two, three. Till now, I don't sleep until two, three. Every day. Now, because that's when I'm most awake. That's when I'm most alert. During the day, I'm yawning. I mean, if you talk to me during the day, you probably would not be very happy with me. But <laughs> at night, I'm awake. My eyes are... Over time... My wife sleeps late now. When we are together, sleeps late too. I didn't force her, but somebody had to rearrange their lives <laughs> around the other person. <laughs> President of the Lord. And she enjoys sleeping late too. Maybe you ask her. 
Adapt. Everybody say adapt. The, the problems a lot of people are having is they are not adapting to their husbands. You don't change the weather. You adapt to the weather. If it is snowing and it is cold outside and you insist on wearing bikini, what will happen to you? You adapt to the weather. You adapt to your husband. Praise the name of the Lord. Back to the NLT version. Quickly. Now, husbands love. Everybody say love. Love your wife. Now, this is the part that always makes me uncomfortable. And never treat them harshly. God, did you really write that to the Bible? <laughs> because, you know, sometimes you, you just feel that you need to show us some, some small sample. <laughs> sample of ashness, since we want to know of what. <laughs> and God is saying, never treat them ashly. And, you see, if you, as a man and as a woman, if you live by the word of God, your marriage will be beautiful. If you are here to get married, your selection process will be easy. If you see a man that is not going anywhere, and that's the person you want to submit your life to, well, go ahead. Don't come back and complain. Because if you come back, what I will say is, submit to your husband. That's the truth. And how, how should we love? Because that's what love means. I say, so I, I show my wife tough love. You know what they mean by that? You don't know what tough love means? Tough love is, is as when you do a child. A child has, has done wrong and you flog the child because you love the child. That is tough love. That is, you deal with the child because you love the child. So, men, that's the only love they express. Tough love. I'm not saying flog. I'm saying harshness. Praise the name of the Lord. But God is saying, hey, not necessarily that. The amplified version blows it up for us. It says, husbands, love your wives. How? Be affectionate. That's what affectionate there means to be romantic. <laughs> Man, God is saying, be romantic. It's in the Bible. Chivalry shouldn't die. Be what? Romantic. You know, some, some guy came to me and said, ah, Pastor, I've been Watching you and Pastor Damio, you know how to do all this, uh, you know? I said, eh. He says, ah, for me, I'm not like that too. I said, why? He says, ah, I'm, you know, macho. And I said to him, I used to be like that. I honestly used to be like, most men are like, are like that. But you see, you need to choose what will rule your life. How you've been brought up or the word of God. Choose one. 
What will it be? No, men, men, men. I'm talking to men now. Not women. Men, answer me. What will it be? The word of God. The word of God says, be affectionate. Just hug her. Just give her a hug. It doesn't, it doesn't bite you. Just try it. For nothing's sake. You're with her. You're approaching the door. Get the door. Get the door. Now, I, I don't always open the car door for my wife. I don't always do it. But sometimes I do it. But God has done it in a way that is when I do it, that's when people see it. So people say, well, pastor always opens the door for his wife. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> but, but open the door. Hold her hands. When service ends today, hold her hands and walk to the car together. Try it. Some men will be like, A couple after the first worship experience, I was talking to the man and the wife was waiting. So the man gave her the key. Hey, I go to the car. The wife said, I'm waiting. Pastor says, You hold my hand. <laughs> Don't send me to the car, man. <laughs> hold my hand to the car. <laughs> and you know, we, we, men, sometimes we get so stiff. But God is saying, be affectionate. Be what? Affectionate. And some ladies, you know, my brother-in-law said to me, that chivalry is dead because women killed it. Some ladies, when you're affectionate to them, they can't receive it. It's sad. But you will receive it. And sometimes, we, it's not that we really can't receive it, we misread the situation. Let me give you an example. I shared with Professor Express. My, my wife and I, um, sometimes we kind of struggle with to drive, who not to drive. Sometimes I don't want to drive, and she doesn't want to drive. So I quickly enter the driver's side, uh, the passenger side, and I shut the door. And sometimes she does it to me, too. She quickly enters, I shut the door. So it's the person that gets in first. The other person drives. <laughs> that is one way of making sure your wife is early to church. She will get in first. She will always beat you to it. Anyway, that's just by the side. So one day I saw, we went out to see a family friend, and I, I just watched over the period of commute and, and the stay there. And I could see she was really tired and, and all that. So. I said to myself, okay, let me just be extra nice to this lady. So I was going to like chivalry stuff, open the door for her, get her in. So she saw me going towards the door, towards the passenger side to open the door. And she was so tired. She says, Femi, don't even try it. <laughs> now, my our family, it's not a family friend, family, extended family, was standing and he looked at both of us and was like, mm-hmm, somebody's in trouble today. And my mind, I'm like, what did I do? You know, sometimes, man, we are wondering, what, what did we do, right? <laughs> I remember, oh, she thought I was going to enter. 
the car. I said, I was just trying to be romantic. In fact, I'm going to shut this door. But I didn't. Open the door. So sometimes we misjudge things. And women can be very sensitive. The guy goes out of his way. He's trying to be nice. He buys you a gift. He tries to buy you a gift. I say, how much did you buy it? You bought it at 15 times. Oh, you see, they, they, that, they, oh, buy, man. <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> they cheated you, man. How can you, how can you even buy this for 15,000? What have I bought it for 75? Now, what have you done? Most men really don't care how much it costs. Most men are not like that. They don't even care how much it costs. They, okay, you think that they buy it. But you get home, instead of you just celebrate the guy and make him feel good for buying you something, you kill it. Say, please give me the receipt. I'm, I'm gonna, I'll go back and collect my money. I'll collect my change. Nobody should cheat my husband. God is saying, be affectionate and sympathetic. And I can go on and on on that also. But I need to go on for time. Now, when God is saying to, to wives, submit to your husbands. Husband loves your wives. You know, submission is qualified as it is fitting to a follower of Jesus. So you submit as it is fitting to a follower of Jesus. Now, I'm bringing the balance there for wives. I, because, you know, we shouldn't assume that people know these things. My father and I were counseling a couple Back in the day, we used to cancel people in our living room. So we did to this couple. And, and in the process of counseling, premarital counseling, in the process of premarital counseling, I, I noticed that what is between these two is very unhealthy. You know, if the guy tells the lady to jump, she's just going to ask, how high do you want me to jump? You know, and all that. So, so, so I asked her, submission is of God, right? So, so I asked her, if your husband tells you to do anything, will you do it? She says, I'll do it. I said, anything. She says, I'll do it. I says, if your husband asks you to poison his mother, he's tired of his mother, he wants to get rid of his mother, poison her food, will you do it? She says, ah, it's my husband now, we'll do it. I said, that is not what God has sent you to do. That is not submission. That's not submission. That's, that's abuse. That's not submission. As fitting as to a follower of Jesus. So, the question is, is this fitting to a follower of Jesus? The other says, let's go and bow down to an idol. Is that fitting to a follower of Jesus? Yes or no? So, disobey. Gladly. And disobey in Jesus' name. <laughs> Parents and children. So, he talked about husband and wife. It's not talking about parents and children. I'm sure this is going to deceive to Tim Church and, and Junior Church. It says, children, verse 20, always obey your parents. How often should you obey your parents? Always obey your parents. For this pleases the Lord. So, children should always obey their parents. For it is pleasing Unto the Lord. 
Just obey. Now, where's the boundary in this? The boundary in this is simple. In our culture, it's not uncommon to hear a mother speaking to a married man and telling the married man, this is what you do because I am your mother. And the Bible says, particularly if she knows you go to church, the Bible says that children obey your parents. You should tell her that the Bible says children. I'm not a child anymore. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Unfortunately, you know, I've had to speak with some men that struggle with this, but my mom says I should do this. Pastor, you know, see, your mom cannot run your home. She says, but the Bible says I should obey my mom. I said, but you are not a child anymore. The Bible says, for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother. Leave me there means away from the influence and be joined to his wife. So you are your man now. All you need to do is just honor them, honor your parents. But you are not bound to obey them. But if you are under their roof, you are still staying in your father's house with your wife and children, please obey them. If you are still, of course, you are still under their roof. They say, sit down. You have to sit down. Sounds funny, but there are some men married, staying in mommy's house, staying in daddy's house. Verse 21 goes on to say, fathers do not aggravate, <laughs> interestingly, your children. Now, 20 says, children obey your parents. 21 did not say, parents do not aggravate your children. 21 specifically says, who? Fathers. Do not aggravate your children. What does that tell us? We fathers can be overbearing. Because we love our family so much. We want to protect our children so much. We can be overbearing. And God is saying to us fathers, don't aggravate your children. The, the, the amplified version says, fathers, don't provoke or irritate or fret your children. Do not be hard on them or harass them lest they become discouraged, sullen, morose, and feel inferior and frustrated. Don't break their spirits. Now, interestingly, we have this mentality that as fathers and as parents, we have to break our children. We have to break their spirits. You know, I don't know if you don't, but I mean, I grew up with that mentality. As the man, you have to break. But God is saying, don't break their spirits. Wow. Praise the Lord. So, we see the setting and how God is saying to us, this is how to live. And if, if you, you always have a choice with the word of God. The word of God is true, infallible. You always have a choice. Am I going to align with the word of God? Or am I going to be out of line with the word of God? When you align with the word of God, your marriage becomes awesome. When you align with the word of God in choosing, your marriage becomes awesome. And it goes on to say in verse 22 that slaves in our, in our setting, in our culture, 
We don't have slaves, hopefully. We have ourselves, right? So he's saying, ourselves, obey your masters and try to please them at all times, not just when they are watching you, as, and walk as though you are working for the Lord and not for people. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, be just and fair to yourselves. <laughs> Remember that you also have your master. I mean, if, if there's a place that abuse have been very strong is in treating ourselves. We have people that treat ourselves so shabbily, so badly. God is saying to you today, you also have a master in heaven. What that implies is, treat them as you want God to treat you. That's what it implies. For some of us, we need to repent. We've been so, so inconsiderate. The word of God says, be just and fair. Be fair to them. Be just to them. And not just ask helps. If you're in any position of authority, maybe at work, you're a manager, or whatever, or you're a parent, God expects you to be just and fair. If you have more than two children, inevitably, inevitably, your heart will tilt towards one. Your heart will tilt towards one. But God is saying, be careful. Be just. To be just means to do what is right. To be fair means without segregation, without discrimination. So, in fact, the, the, the most fair, my dad, for instance, is <laughs> and was an unjust and an unfair parent. <laughs> not that like he's a bad guy, he's a good guy. He loved all of us, but he has a favorite child, and he did not hide it. And he told everybody, even my mom could not touch that child. Guess who that child was? Me. Now, there are six of us. I'm number three. I'm not the first. I'm not the last. I'm not the only boy. I'm not the... There was nothing. The guy just loves me. Now, but that is bad because, thank God for my siblings. They are Christians. They could have sold me to slavery. (laughs) But... Can't go wrong with my dad. Those of us are parents. We have to be fair and just. All our children. So if they are spiritual parents, you're a house fellowship leader. As a pastor, some people I like everybody. I love everybody, right? Are you all know I love you? But I like some people specially, and you know that. But I hide it so you don't know who they are. Do you? But I'm just to everyone by God's grace. And I'm fair to everyone. At least I try. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> At least I try. 
So God wants us to be just and, and fair. And it, it gives on, I mean, Colossians is just an amazing book. Please, I want to encourage you to please get home and, and read this book again. There's so many things that we can't even begin to talk on. In verse 2, it talks about devoting to prayer. I can go on and on about that. And in verse 5, it talks about being wise amongst people of the other faith or that are not believers at all. Verse 17, it says to Atipos, it says, be sure to carry out the ministry the Lord has given you. Now, a lot of us, when we see this kind of things, be sure to carry out the ministry God has given you. We say, oh, well, that's talking to pastors. No, all of us, we have a ministry given to us by God. Everybody has a ministry. If you've done the journey, we've explained there's a primary ministry, there's a secondary ministry. Everybody has a ministry. If you're a businessman, that is a ministry God has given you. If you're a professional, that's a ministry. If you're a homekeeper, that's a ministry. You can, if you're serving in church in any capacity, that's a ministry. For some of us, we actually have ministries. But God says, be sure to carry them out. In other words, it's one thing for God to give you a ministry. It's another thing for you to give diligence to make it sure. So the ministry or the calling on your life will not happen automatically. You have to be sure. Second Peter 1.10 says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. God has called you to something. If you don't throw yourself at it, it's not going to happen. And finally, we're going to share this morning. Paul, in verse 18, says, Meanwhile, before this, he has been dictating the letter to Timothy. And Timothy has been writing and writing and writing and writing. So this time, Paul takes the pen and says, Here is my greeting in my own and writing, Paul. Remember my chains. Everybody say, remember my chains. May God's grace be with you. Now, why would Paul, in writing his signature, just like we all, a lot of people have email signatures. After their names, they have a quote or some line that is like their signature. Or it could be their contact address or whatever. Paul is saying, remember my chains. Why is he saying, remember my chains? Does he, does he want pity? Did Paul says, remember my pain, say, my chains so that the church in Colossae can pity him? Of course not. Oh, maybe he wanted prayer. Did he say, remember my chains so that the church in Colossae can raise a prayer altar for him and begin to pray for him because he was in prison so they can pray for deliverance? I don't think so. Why don't you think so? In verse 3, when, God, when Paul was asking for prayer, verse 3 and 4, Paul was saying, pray for us that God will give us opportunity to preach the gospel. <laughs> so, all the prayer Paul asked for was the opportunity to speak clearly the gospel. Now, imagine if, 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 if you are in prison and you have an opportunity to write a letter to the church and to the pastor of the church. What would be your prayer request? Now, before you answer, if it were me, I would have said, please pray that God will deliver me from this prison. That's, okay, I can ask for that I will speak boldly too and I will be anointed too. But I will also include deliverance. And I don't think 
God will be angry if I do that. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I hope not. But that's what I will do. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's what you will do. But Paul did not even ask the church to pray for his freedom. So why would Paul say, remember my chains? Paul is saying, remember my chains to encourage the church in Colossae that you can be smack in the middle of God's purpose for your life and still be in pain. You see, many times we, we think that we are going through pain because something is wrong. Paul is saying, consider my predicament. I am in chains and nothing is wrong. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and, and that is so amazing because, you know, it's just like when the scripture says that we should count it all joy. James 1, 2 to 4. It says count it all joy when you face diverse kind of temptation. Diverse kind of affliction. I, I mean, honestly, when I'm facing challenges, except I remember the scripture, I naturally don't count it joy as joy. I naturally, I'm like, Lord, help me. What is going on here? But Paul is saying to us, and he's challenging us to our core, that you can be in pain and you can be on purpose. You can be waiting for a promise and you can still be fulfilling God's purpose for your life. A lot of us, when we are waiting for a promise and we are in pain, we, we, we want to put everything on hold. We want to pause every area of our lives. But God is saying to you, consider my chains through Paul. Consider my chains. Remember my chains. I'm, I'm here, but I am free. So, so we speak to people. I say, so when, when are you going to begin to serve God? He says, ah, when I get married, though, God needs to settle me first in my home. Then I will serve God. Oh, when are you going to begin to worship like you, you used to worship? Ah, when I have my children, though, ah. You know, all these people, because they have their children, that's why they can be worshiping God like that. Me, I need children. Let God answer me, and God will receive authentic worship. Oh, why are you not consistent in church? Ah, let God give me a good job. So that I can have a good car. So that come rain, come shine, I can be coming to church. Is that not a good deal? And we inch the fulfillment of our calling and purpose in God to the absence of pain. And Paul is saying, remember my chains. Remember my chains. And the chains could not hold him down. And thank God for this season of resurrection. Praise the name of the Lord. So are you waiting on God for a promise? Maybe you are waiting for a job. Or maybe you are waiting for a spouse. Maybe you are waiting for a child. Maybe you are waiting for more children. Maybe you are waiting for whatever you are waiting for. God is saying to you, you can 
fulfill your purpose in spite of the pain. Praise the name of the Lord. In spite of the pain. Joseph waited 15 years, but he still became prime minister. Abraham became, waited 25 years, but he still became father of many nations. President of the Lord. Moses waited 40. But he still led a whole nation. Jesus waited 30 years. But he still brought salvation to you and I. Some of us, our waiting period is three years. We just don't know. Some people, our waiting period is just six months. We just don't know. Some of us, it's five years. We just don't know. And you're on the fourth year. And you're about to give up. You just don't know. So God is saying to you and I, fulfill your purpose in spite of the pain. So as we bring this series to a close, Jesus Christ is all. Jesus Christ is supreme. There's nothing you can add to him. There's nothing you can take away from him. And you are complete in him. Who is the head of all principalities and powers? Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads as we pray. For you, you may be saying, wow, remember my pains, remember my chains. Here was Paul, and yet, he could praise God. He could talk about thanksgiving. Lord, I'm sorry for grumbling. Some of us, we need to apologize to God for just bad behavior. Yet there are some people here, you are, you are saying, Pastor, I'm not born again. Jesus is not the Lord of my life. Oh, I used to be born again, but because of the pain, because of the challenges of life, I, I backslid, I went back to the world. I want to come back to God. Pray with me. I want to pray with you wherever you are. You don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I want to pray with you. Pastor, that is me. Pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. Quickly, I will pray together. Jesus, come into my heart. I'm back sitting, I want to come back to God. Quickly, over your head, I will pray together. That is me. But put, up your hand, put up your hand well, well, well. Don't touch on your head. God bless you. God bless you. Right there. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Take the card. If you have the card, it's okay. You can put down your hand. But if you don't have the card, keep the hands up. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. The pressure was a lot. And, and I abandoned Jesus. But I want to come back to Jesus right now. Right now. I can see clearly. Put up that hand. Quickly. I will pray together. This is so important. If you are online, the instructions are scrolling on the screen. The instructions are scrolling on the screen. Father in heaven, we thank you for everyone in this place today. We ask that you breathe upon us afresh, even as you have spoken your word to us. We pray that your word will bring forth life in us.
in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, for the person that is surrendering to you today, even here, and those maybe that will be surrendering online, we ask that you reveal yourself to them. Change these hearts, my Father. Let your presence be real. Let your name be glorified. Honor and glory be given to you. Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed.